Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening and God bless. Our passage today comes from Psalms 138. Listen for what God is saying to you. I give thanks to you with all my heart, Lord. I sing your praise before all other gods. I bow toward your holy temple and thank your name for your loyal love and faithfulness. Because you have made your name and word greater than everything else. On, a day, on the day I cried out, you answered me. You encouraged me with your inner strength. Let all the earth's rulers give thanks to you, Lord. When they hear what you say, let them sing about the Lord's ways because the Lord's glory is so great. Even though the Lord is high, he can still see the lowly, but God keeps his distance from the arrogant. Whenever I'm in deep trouble, you make me live again. You send your power against my enemy's wrath. You save me with your strong hand. The Lord will do all this for my sake. Your faithful love lasts forever, Lord. Don't let go of what your hands have made. May God add a blessing to the understanding and living out of this scripture. Good morning, Urban Village Church. My name is Emily McGinley, and I have the great joy of serving as the pastor here of this community and ministry alongside so many folks that you have seen um, up front, um, as well as many others who you don't ever see up front, but who help us, uh, who run the church, uh, who help us uh, keep doing what we do every morning. And um, thank you to Seed for your um, testimony. Let's uh, begin with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for the gift that it is to come together, even on this cold morning, to feel the warmth of your spirit, to feel the warmth of one another gathered in this space, reaching out, trying to hear just a little bit more clearly what it is that your voice is trying to say to us, do within us, call us toward. And so we pray that you would clear away the clutter of our minds and help us to be present right now in this moment to receive what it is that you have to say to us, help us to grapple with it in ways that are faithful and trusting and courageous for your sake. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So um, I recently heard an interview with um, Brother David Steindl Rost. Uh, he's a Benedictine monk, teacher, and an author. He's nearly 90 years old and sharp as a tack. Uh, he's lived through war, um, the end of an empire, the fascist takeover of his country, um, and he's also the, the founder and senior advisor for a network for grateful living, and his TED Talk on the topic of gratitude has been viewed nearly five million times. It's only 15 minutes, so you can look it up sometime. And in this interview, he talked about gratitude as a choice, which, to be honest, did not really seem that profound to me. Um, but then he unpacked it a little bit more. He talked about how he understands gratitude as kind of this umbrella um, over a process, that gratitude is comprised of two stages gratefulness, and thanksgiving. When your heart or your spirit is filled up, filled with joy and with awe, and it's filled to overflowing, this, he says, is gratefulness. And when that gratefulness bubbles over the edge of, um, uh, the edge of your spirit and, and it becomes a response, a, a word of thanks or a song of joy, that response, he says, that is thanksgiving. 
all of this combined creates a state, an experience, a way of being that is rooted and covered in gratitude. And I think it's valuable to understand this process which leads to gratitude because what happens is that often instead of being in awe and joy at the miracle of the things around us, what happens is, and, and advertising has really ratcheted up this process, what happens is that we end up making the bowl bigger. For many people in our culture, the heart fills up with joy, with gratefulness, and just as that, at that moment when it's about to overflow and express thanksgiving, at that moment, an advertisement comes in and says, no, 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 there's a better model, a newer model, and your neighbor has a bigger one. And so instead of overflowing, right, the bowl then gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it never overflows. It never reaches this point of joy. And so then there's this constant inflowing as your bowl is getting bigger, right? You see this everywhere. People who just never seem to have enough. And it has this effect of perpetual dissatisfaction. Now, I had a friend in high school who was a gymnast, and she had um, this team shirt that said, good, better, best, never let it rest until good becomes better and better becomes best. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm all for working hard and striving toward excellence to be the best that you can be at what you do, but it can be easy to let this mentality like ruin your life, right, <laughs> if you let it, because you're constantly in pursuit, constantly seeking the better in the shadow of the best. You're never satisfied, and if you're never satisfied, how do you experience gratitude? How do you experience gratefulness that leads to thanksgiving? So then I think the trick is to, to maintain your bowl. And initially I was thinking the trick is to keep your bowl small, but I don't, that's not really the exact, the right way to think about it, right? Because the idea of keeping your bowl small, it seems to imply somehow that you should keep your expectations low. And that's not really what I'm talking about. Managing your bowl is about managing your sense of entitlement. Privilege and entitlement. Privilege says me first over and always. Entitlement takes it to the next level. Entitlement says, of course, me first, over and always. What other way could there be? And with this mindset, there is no room for gratitude. So then how do we manage our bowls? How do we keep entitlement from wrecking our souls? Well, in our passage for today, we have an opportunity to see the way that one of the more entitled people in society, a king, manages his bowl. Now, we don't know a whole lot about what prompted the king to write this prayer, this psalm, but we do know that it was some kind of experience of deliverance. He says, on the day I cried out, you answered me and encouraged me with inner strength. Something happened that stirred up self-doubt and anxiety in the king. But God showed up. God brought him out of it, and instead of keeping it moving, right, Instead of assuming that it should have gone this way, of course, me first, over and always, the king stops and dwells on what just happened. He takes time to reflect on his experience of redemption and renewal. But it doesn't stop there because the king, in, in taking this time to, to stop and look, to pause and reflect, he comprehends the depth of what God has done for him in him, and he thinks this is just too good. I, I can't keep this to myself. I, I have to share it. I can't be the only one who knows such goodness. And so he petitions God. 
Don't let it be only me who sees, who has experienced how good you can be. Let all the earth's rulers give thanks. Let all the earth's rulers sing. Gratitude multiplied out. I want them to experience it too. I want them to give thanks. I want to multiply out this incredible experience of expectations surpassed, of, of joy overflowing. The King James uh, translation says, yes, we sometimes use that even here. We're that inclusive. Um, the <laughs> King James translation says, in the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold and strengthened my soul, with strength in my soul. And it's the same boldness that God gave the king in his time of pain, which then compels him to share this gratitude out. It wasn't just for the moment to get him through, to get him out of the rut, but there's this sense that the boldness propels him forward in some way. A boldness born from gratitude and awe about who God is. That's what we're talking about today and over these next few weeks. Because in a world that is so fast-paced, so productivity-oriented, it's easy to dismiss those gifts that come to us in life, right? The 24-hour news cycles and clickbaity headlines just keep us in this constant state of distress and distraction, while marketers track our digital trails and find ever more sophisticated ways to tap into our deepest insecurities and longings. It's easy to become cynical with all of that, right? To allow a kind of futility Fatalism and fear to drive down our capacity for hope and imagination. Who has ever thought to themselves, well, Google owns me anyway, right? <laughs> Amazon already knows what I want. I should just give in and like hand over all my credit cards, right? It's easy to become cynical. It's easy to let all of that drive down our sense of imagination and capacity for hope. It's easy to let it numb and snuff out our inner light. And so in the midst of a cynical world, as resistance, we practice gratitude. We manage our bowls so that they still overflow. We keep our entitlement in check so that we can experience God's gifts as just that, gifts, undeserved, unearned. That's what a gift is. And so how do we begin to do that? How do we begin to practice gratitude? Well, Brother David offers a simple method for living a grateful life. They're not all that different from the rules that we were taught from crossing the street. Stop, look, and go. Build in stop signs, he says, reminders throughout your day to pause and really kind of notice the things around you. Life might be going horribly for you right now. You might be suffering from the most paralyzing anxiety. You might not know how your next bill is going to get paid. You might be wondering if things are really going to get better. These difficult, bad things are real. And yet there are other real things in your life too, right? Things that are also worth looking at and dwelling on, worth paying attention to. Things that are perhaps even minor miracles if you thought about it. The fact that we are worshiping here in this space as we are, the fact that I'm your pastor here standing before you, that is a minor miracle. And I could tell you a story about UBC, but because today is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, I'm going to tell you a different story. <laughs> so let me tell you how it's a miracle. So this past summer, many of you know, I had the opportunity to travel to Germany as a delegate of the World Communion of Reformed Churches. And while I was there discerning pathways for bearing witness to God's justice and truth with 
church leaders from around the world, I also had an opportunity to visit the town of Wittenberg. And in this town lived and taught a priest, a man named Martin Luther. Uh, he, lived, he loved God and he loved the church, even if every picture makes it look like he is reclaiming his time over and again. <laughs> Luther taught moral theology at the University of Wittenberg. And, and as he taught his subjects, this is what happens when you start teaching, right? You start to get convicted by the things that you are teaching, like, I'm starting to feel like a disconnection between what I'm teaching and who I actually am, right? So as he taught his subjects around moral theology, he became increasingly, untenably frustrated with the church in the ways that it manipulated grace and pathways to salvation. He challenged the hierarchy of the church by declaring that the content of the Bible was a higher authority than any priest in any garb. And he denied that we could only speak to God through ordained priests, but that, in fact, we have a direct line to God. It is the priesthood of all believers. That's what he talked about. He wanted to end the systemic exploitation and abuses of the church that squeezed money out of people and gave preferential treatment to the wealthy. And so he wrote out his list of complaints on what is known as the 95 Theses. Now, according to the popular story, he nailed that thesis to the door of the local Catholic church like a boss, right? And whether it was his controversial theological claims or the damage to the building, because we know how church people can get about their things, <laughs> one may never know. But the impact of his actions created a breach that led to the formation of the Protestant church. It was a long time coming. People were no longer willing to labor under the injustice, oppression, and exploitation of abusive theologies. Sounds kind of familiar. It's a legacy that the church, both Catholic and Protestant, has really struggled with. Because when you start claiming one thing, you have to sometime, at some point, start looking at yourself too, right? How do we reject entitlement, whether it's entitlement to God's grace and love or interpretation of how those things show up? How do we reject entitlement to power and position? In the calendar of the church, today is called Reformation Sunday, the day when we remember um, those particular saints, like Luther, who dedicated themselves to the task of helping the church in particular, but the world more broadly be a more just place, a, a true, truer reflection of God's intentions for wholeness of life for all. But it's also All Saints Sunday, the day when we remember those who have gone before us, the saints who have shaped our lives however long or short they may have been, and left their imprint on this world, on us, at the very least. It's a day in the church's life that acts kind of like a stop sign, right? To stop and look, to pause and reflect on those saints who are no longer with us, and yet remain with us. So I want to give us a time to pause, to stop and reflect on this. Who are those people in your life? who have made a way for you, who have poured into you life and truth and hope and possibility. Who are the saints for which you give thanks today? Think about that. And if you're comfortable, reflect with someone near you. Share that person's name with someone near you and maybe share a brief story that sort of illustrates the kind of person that they were, the way that they left an imprint on your life or in this world. I'm going to give you a few minutes. You don't have to share if, if it's uh, too painful of a memory um, or it's a little too raw. But if, um, if you want to honor their name in, by sharing that, by speaking that into the space, um, 
uh, with someone else and hearing about that person, uh, that same kind of person in someone else's life, I'd invite you to share over the next few minutes. Now, in just a few minutes, um, you'll have an opportunity to write on this cloth that is set out here, um, designed by our very own Grant, um, the names of the saint, or the name or names of the saint or saints um, that you've reflected on, that you shared. It's a way to kind of bring them into the space of our worship today. Um, uh, I, I, love, uh, I love the way that the song, um, When the Saints Go Marching In, um, how it draws from this idea that, that the people who have left this earth have never really left, but that, that they continue to march with us, that they march in with us, and that we get to um, continue to build, be in relationship, although different, in a different way, um, with those folks. Um, and so as we bring them into the worship space today, it's also a way to give thanks to God, right? To be reminded that we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. And so this brings me to that kind of final instruction. The first two were stop, look, and then the third one is to go. And the way I like to think about it is to pause, reflect, and act. Because when we pause and reflect, our hearts begin to overflow with gratitude, a kind of gratitude that then propels us forward, right? To act in new and courageous ways. Now, Martin Luther was a person of faith, of courage, and conviction, and his, his rally cry was that God's grace and message should be accessible to all, no exceptions. But even then, he couldn't see the ways that he failed to live into his ideals. He couldn't see his own participation in exploitation, oppression, and abuse. He still upheld deep patriarchy in the church. He said not a word about the violent colonization taking place around the globe. He offered no critique on the economics of the booming slave trade that was enriching Europe and laying the foundation for America's original sin. But All Saints Day is not about the perfection of those who came before us. It's about stopping and looking, pausing and reflecting, to feel gratefulness welling up within us, gratefulness for those who paved the way for us to practice faith, courage, and conviction. Gratefulness at how much God is doing um, with imperfect people like us. How much God has done even with imperfect people of the past. Gratitude upon gratitude, welling up to overflowing joy at how God has been, how God is now, how God will be in the days to come in spite of our own perfect imperfections through each one of us in our pausing and our reflecting, feeling our gratefulness turn to thankfulness echoing an ancient king who marveled and declared, your faithful lover, love lasts forever, Lord. Don't let go of what your hands have made. God's love at work because of us, in spite of us, compelling us forward into a world that even Martin Luther couldn't envision. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the gift of gratitude. We thank you that you remind us again and again to marvel at the work of your hands, at the work of your spirit within us and around the world and in the lives that we lead. And, and so even in spite of those things that we are not feeling especially grateful for, those, those wounds that are still raw or those anxieties that continue to be at work within us, help us to build in stop signs and maybe even just build in stop signs for us 
cause us to pause and reflect and really assess what work you are doing, even in the midst of all the things that feel like they would crush our imagination and our sense of hope. Help us not to be people of futility or fatalism or cynicism in this world, but people who are beacons and reminders of light and hope and trust and promise and courage and conviction and what all of those things can do when we follow your way and your, belief, your path, your vision of wholeness of life for all. We thank you for those saints who've gone before us, as imperfectly perfect as they may have been. Help us to follow in their footsteps as faithfully as we can, so that those who come behind us might have another set of shoulders to stand on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.